This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Hey everyone, Boomer Esiason here. The NFL Draft is behind us and your favorite team is now gearing up for week number one. The free Odyssey app puts you right in the middle of the pro football conversation with the biggest sports radio stations from across the country. The local voices who know your team the best, giving you their unfiltered takes on the current state of your squad. It's always football season right here on the free Odyssey app. We're Grant and Danny, and we are live all over D.C. and Richmond and wherever you are via the always free Odyssey app. Take us with you. It is a great way to listen to the show. Download the app if you don't have it. You can pause and rewind, fast forward uh, the show and move around at your leisure. Listen by chapters. It is a great app. But with that, welcome back to G&D on the fan. The show being brought to you today. By our friends, the law firm of Condori and Murrah. They can help protect your assets and update your will and trust. Schedule a free estate planning strategy with one of their Fairfax-based attorneys. Visit kmlawyers.com. Mention us to score yourself a discount. That's kmlawyers.com. Danny, there are now seven openings in the National Football League. Teams looking for coaches in alphabetical order. Chargers, Commanders, Falcons... Panthers, Raiders, Seahawks as of about an hour ago, and the Titans as of yesterday. All seven of those teams offer a coaching candidate their job. How many of those gigs do they take over Washington's? One to me, if all things are equal. It's the Chargers' job. The Their salary cap situation is not as good. Their draft pick situation not as good. I'm aware of all that. What is a draft pick? Really, it's the hope that one of those guys becomes Justin Herbert. The prayer, the 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 chance that Washington now has to take somebody number two is maybe one day they can be Justin Herbert. That place has Justin Herbert. I'll take my chances. The known commodity of a guy that's not 37, that's not been, you know, uh, on the downside or trail side of his career, a guy that's been stuck in neutral with an organization that can't seem to get right, I've got the dream. I've got the asset. I've got the thing. I'll figure the rest of it out. That, to me, is the one seed plus. Not to mention you're living in L.A. Uh, you probably have, like, a Malibu beach house or something like that, and then you go to practice and hang out on, in your pool that overlooks the Pacific Ocean, and I go work with Justin Herbert every day. I'll take my chances there. But to me, it's almost 1A for, for Washington, just behind L.A. I would put the Chargers above the Commanders because of Herbert, just because of the premium I put on the quarterback position as well. And because I think the world of Herbert. Having said that, I'm going to take a stab at what I perceive to be pretty close. The argument for the commanders over them. I do think, I was talking to someone about this within the last few days. I do think there will be candidates that don't necessarily view Herbert as this slam dunk, you know, top 10, maybe top five in the future uh, quarterback that they're just going to run through piles of nails to go work with, right? Here's what I mean. 
there are some questions around the league about how quiet he is and just kind of, you know, the, the I don't want to say leadership, but like in the locker room, if he's got that same like Patrick Mahomes, Joe Burrow, that special quality. And, and you could be a really good quarterback and everyone's cut a little bit differently. I remember back in the day, like Kirk Cousins doesn't curse. He's not going out to the club with the guys. You know, there's not always the same relatability necessarily between he and, you know, him and Stephon Diggs aren't living the same life. But I think what's happened over the years with Kirk, as an example, is that people see how he works, how much he, he puts into it, how he takes care of his body, the effort and the energy and the money that he pours into being at the top of his game, and then you play at a high level, and you demand the respect and the reverence that way. And Herbert, I think, is... Now, I'm not saying there's anything wrong with Justin Herbert as a guy, but I think he's just a super quiet, not a naturally born leader from the way that you know it's kind of been said out of L.A. There might be some question about, like, is he actually a Burrow? Is he actually a Mahomes? Or is he just like a really good passer? Again, I'm, I'm trying to make the case sure, for why someone might not want to just jump to L.A. Because let's face it, that's pretty much the draw. Other than living in a place with good weather where you got an awesome house. That's the whole draw. They don't have a lot of cap space. It's not like the draft situation is great necessarily. Um, and in Washington's case, you got this new ownership group that's pretty desperate to win because they feel like they get one shot to, to fix it with this fan base. So that would be my argument for Washington. But we're in lockstep, it sounds like. Chargers won because of Herbert. Commanders two, and then everybody else after that. Um, just thinking out loud here as far as where I would go third. Panthers are at the bottom. Raiders are toward the bottom. I would say Falcons third. I think that team's close. They've got good defensive talent. Mm -hmm. They've got some weapons, albeit weapons that I thought were not utilized correctly recently with Arthur Smith. But whether it's Kyle Pitts or Drake London, tight end, wide receiver, B. John Robinson at running back, decent offensive line, they're a QB away. If they could land, draft, free agency, otherwise trade, you know, a quarterback who plays at a middle of the pack in the NFL level, they should be able in a bad division to win. It's also, you know, it's Atlanta, easy place to travel to and from. It's a hub for NFL players. It's an easy place to recruit. Uh, I think that's probably the third best job. I would say so, too. Decent cap situation, not like Washington's um, or, or some of the other teams, but but perfectly fine. That's And that division is not terribly difficult either. Right, it's it's aggressively mediocre. Nobody looks like they're a juggernaut. You don't have to run through a Mahomes. There's no Drew Brees, uh, you know, kind of hanging out down there. It's a bunch of teams that are in a similar spot to you, to be honest with you. Atlanta's a pretty decent job. All right, let's go to the phones. How many of those gigs do you think are better than Washington's? If all seven teams offered, let's say Ben Johnson their head coaching job, how many does he take over the Commanders? Let's go to Charles in Temple Hills on G&D. What's up, Charles? Hey, how you doing? Good, buddy. Uh, I think uh, Commander's Chargers, or you can flip-flop that one and two. Uh, and then Falcons. Not that I'm a big Falcon. My, my wife's a Saints fan. Cause, you know, anyway, I'm not a big Falcon fan. But uh, the chance to work with a rookie uh, quarterback, the top ten, uh, with the draft picks we got, with a GM, I think it's one, two, and three on that. On that, personally. So it sounds like you're so. kind of in lockstep with us. Yeah, I mean the, the Falcons do have the eighth pick in the draft. 
So I guess what you could argue is that's still QB range. They may have to move up if they love Jaden Daniels Mm -hmm. as an example. Because here's how I'm thinking the quarterback pool goes. As of right now, you've got to imagine that Williams and May, doesn't matter which order, but that those two guys are going to pick one and two. Uh, Bears take, let's say, Williams hypothetically, and Washington gets May. The Patriots are on the clock at three. The Patriots should be taking a quarterback. And I think they will. So that tells you that the Jaden Daniels sweepstakes kind of starts there. Doesn't mean they'll definitely take Jaden Daniels. Maybe they really like Penix and they try to move back a couple picks and take him. Maybe, and we don't know who their GM is going to be, their head coach is going to be. Are they going to fire one or both of those guys? You know, what's the structure going to look like there? But let's just say hypothetically they make a couple of changes and their new group really likes Bo Nix as an example. Mm -hmm. And they think they can get him in the middle of the first round and they go way down the board. My point is just that at number three is where Jaden Daniels could come off the board first. And if you really want him, that's probably where you've got to trade up. If you're the Giants or the Falcons and you think Jaden Daniels could be Lamar 2.0, then you probably have to go up to three to get him to feel confident about doing that. But if three quarterbacks go in the top three at that point, Atlanta's probably in a bad spot at eight unless they take Michael Penix or I guess they could move back and try to get Bo Nix or J.J. McCarthy Or comes somebody out. else, yeah. Or something like that. But they're still in QB range, and they could trade up. But Herbert is the reason the Chargers are the best job because he's already there. This is the beauty of Washington having the number two pick. If the coach really likes May or Williams, then you just say, okay, well, we've got that guy, essentially. Like, mm-hmm. you're, we're going to have one of those two. So it's not on the roster right now, but it, it's basically like an IOU. You're looking at the Washington job, and you go, yeah, they got Herbert. You guys have Sam Howell. You go, no, we don't. They got Herbert. We got Drake May. They got Herbert. We got Caleb Williams, possibly. And, this and that closes the gap from a quarterbacking standpoint. Well, just to add some color to that. A lot of times a coach going in and inheriting a quarterback has that negative connotation where you're not going in somewhere and fixing a broken guy. You're not going in there and going, yeah, we like him. We drafted him high. Like, for example, let's say Chicago's gig was open. Fields is obviously such an incredible runner, but it hasn't always been consistent with him throwing the football. You, you're you going as the organization, we are going to make Justin Fields work, and a coach coming in has to do that. That's part of their mandate. See Gruden with, with Robert Griffin. That's never a good recipe, right, the inherited guy. That's different, though, when you get to coach, you know, 26-year-old, square-jawed howitzer guy uh, that's put up ridiculous video game numbers through his first four years. You know what I mean? So that that becomes that much more appealing. The challenge here, though, or the or the appeal here is obviously that you get to have input in finding the guy that you think is the Herbert, right? In other words, you, you're finding the dude that you would like to work with. We know what Justin Herbert is and, and, and what he is not. You find that you are now going to be part of the process that says you're now going to be tied to this person for a handful of years, probably. Your right. success probably pretty closely aligned with their success. That's pretty appealing to these yeah, guys. Yeah, I just think, and I'm not saying you are, but I always like to circle back to, as we're pointing out the case for Washington and these other teams, the bird in the hand of Herbert is probably just more powerful yes. and more of a end-all, be-all to this conversation than anything we can really imagine because of the quality of the the QB. If you don't have a quarterback as a head coach, you get fired. Ask Rivera, right? If you can't figure out quarterback, you will lose your job. 
So if you, it's so rare. I mean, nobody gets to do this. But if you ever get to go to a team that not only has a veteran starting quarterback, but a young ascending star at the position, it's just a no-brainer. Even though the Chargers draft situation this year in terms of capital, their salary cap situation is middle of the pack, 18th out of 32 teams in terms of those overall assets. You know who's in a great spot, by the way? Looking at this chart where Washington's cap percentile, draft percentile, pro-rated percentile, and their composite, you know, what they've got to add to their team this year is the best. We mentioned the Bears are number two. The Cardinals are number three. And kudos to Arizona. People thought they were going to be such a joke this year. Mm -hmm. And I'll raise my hand. I was wrong. I I hated the Jonathan Gannon hiring. Part of that was his little uh, viral clip that came out where it sounded like he was a character in the office. But that guy knows what he's doing. Uh, they got a good young offensive coordinator. They'll probably lose to a head coaching role in the next couple years. They're probably going to stick with Kyler Murray. But they can add a lot of talent this year. The Patriots, the Giants, bad teams, a lot of assets. But you know who's sixth on this list as far as having the most at their disposal to add talent this offseason? The Green Bay Packers, who it looks like hit again with Jordan Love. I mean, Matt LaFleur, a lot of people were saying, if he ever lost Aaron Rodgers, he'll be screwed. Well, him and Gutekunst are looking pretty good right now. You know, Rodgers is is making waves on Pat McAfee's show, <laughs> you know, getting into fights with Jimmy Kimmel at this point. Meanwhile, the Packers are preparing to play in a, a playoff game. People think they could be frisky in, and it looks like Jordan Love might be the guy, and they've got an awesome situation from a draft pick standpoint. They've got not a, a, a great situation, but an okay cap situation, and the two combined, they have the sixth best composite for this offseason in terms of some of the resources that they've got. That's, That's surprising, a team to look out for moving forward. Uh, let's go to Chris in Hyattsville on G&D. What's up, Chris? Yeah, I'd, I'd like to ask you if you're still interested in Aaron Rodgers because I know you guys are all about him. Uh, uh, last, he, All about him strong. <laughs> Would I still take him as the starter? Not resetting the organization, but in hindsight, yeah, absolutely. If he didn't tear his Achilles... He would have uh, run circles around Sam Howe. So, yeah, probably so. Um, anyway, so I, I think that the, the job really – I hate – this is sort of a non-answer, but it depends. It depends on the personality. If you're the kind of guy who wants to build something in his likeness, then Washington is the best job because it's the, the blankest of blank slates. You can install your quarterback. You've got all the cap room in the world a million draft picks. You can rebuild the team with the, in tandem with the general manager uh, in a way that sets you up for success and where you can get the most credit. If you're sort of just looking for stability and the path of least resistance, then I would say there are other positions that are places that are better. Like Atlanta has more offensive talent. Uh, San Diego has, I mean, excuse me, Los Angeles obviously has a quarterback and those are both destination cities for a lot of free agents. So it just depends on if you're the kind of guy that says he wants to take credit for having done it all, like kind of Rivera wanted to be, then Washington is the job. If you're just looking for the place where you can win now, there might be better uh, destinations. Appreciate you. I think that's the perspective, right? Where you get to go, here's your mold of clay. You get to make the sculpture versus we've got most of the sculpture already built or for lack of a better analogy, like, you get to build the car versus we already have the race car. Now you, you're the one who gets to drive it. If you're interested in building the thing from the ground up, we hit the ground, dude. <laughs> you know, we're down here without much that you uh, that you should be loyal to. Uh, 
his question on Rodgers, hindsight having become wisdom. I don't think you can assume he would have tore his Achilles. But uh, when we actually talked about him, it was two years ago, right? So even last year when they picked Sam Howell, I was giddy about that because I thought one way or the other it would be great. Mm-hmm. If he plays well and they find their quarterback Done. awesome, and if he's bad, then Rivera gets fired and they move on and you finally start the new GM, the new head coach, the new quarterback all together. So that was my idea last offseason. But I, I will, yeah, two off seasons ago when he was coming off of his second straight MVP award, he was going into his last year in Green Bay, which albeit was a down year, 26 touchdowns, 12 interceptions, and about 3,700 yards. I absolutely thought they should trade for him. I still would have done that, looking back in hindsight. I don't know if you still feel the same. Yeah. Because basically I, that contract would be ending now anyway. And, uh, you know, they would have been better. I don't know what that would have done for the Rivera era. I'm glad they're in the situation they're in now, but it would have made for a hell of a lot more enjoyable football over the last two years for sure. Now, if you gave me the choice of this current situation versus that, I would take this. Of but course. I never thought in a million years they'd end up with a number two pick. I thought they'd be just bad enough to be – mediocre and Ron would pat himself on the back, but they wouldn't be bad enough to be bad. Yeah. I mean, when I wanted to trade for Aaron Rodgers two years ago, Dan Snyder was still the owner. I didn't know he'd be selling and that they'd be able to get a GM and get a head coach and, you know, possibly be picking second. Um, So yeah, I mean, but if that's what we're talking about two years ago, I I, I still feel good about it. You're not going to find audio last off season of me saying they should have gone and gotten Aaron Rodgers. Doesn't exist. Let's go to Kevin in Arlington. What's up, Kevin? Hey, fellas. Yeah, I just want to add a couple of perspectives about uh, San Diego or now Los Angeles, but that's an issue right there, versus Washington as the top job opportunity. And I think one of the biggest things that uh, may prevail here is everybody knows there's issues with the Spanos family. I just sent you a DM, Grant, with the latest article from last month about the issues with the Spanos folks. you're not going to have the same issues with this new ownership group. I mean, this new ownership group is, you know, potentially an all-star group. We'll see, you know, maybe not, but, but I think everything we've seen so far shows how first class they are. And how good does it feel, Kev? Competence, man. It's, uh, it's unbelievable. I got to the point grant and I hate to say it, but it was like, uh, I only thought about my football team on Saturdays down in Harrisonburg. And and that's too bad because at the start of this past season, I went to the opener. I, I mean, anyway, I just got to so fed up. But everything I've seen since uh, Monday is they're doing it the way it was done when Mr. Cook uh, hired Bobby Beathard, who ended up hiring Joe Gibbs. And, well, we know the rest of the story, don't we? It's a good story. I'd yeah, like I to, liked it. I'd like, I'd to, like it again. to read that one again. <laughs> Or just for the first time in my case. And it really, was really fun. Um, look, I don't want to get into the habit necessarily of, of just reading tweets that uh, are silly. But um, we got someone listening, and I always appreciate that. And they did just tweet me. So I want to read you this because I think it's amazing. Uh, they said, listening to your segment from earlier today about where the Bears went with Matt Eberflus. I know this is a long stretch, so they do acknowledge that. Why not reach out to the Bears to see if they'd accept a trade? We send them Eric Bieniemy and the number two pick, and they give us the number one pick. It's a win-win for all. It'd be a win for us. I would like to do that trade. It's a win for us. Um, do the Bears have to agree to it? Yeah. There is the, the reason I even acknowledge the tweet is there is a perception I think that like Bieniemy has this rock star label around the league, and while I'm not trying to beat up on EB, that's just not the case right now. 
to my knowledge, I don't think anybody has reached out to him for a head coaching interview. I think he will be an OC again this this coming year somewhere else. I would be surprised if he wasn't. But there are a lot of talented young coordinators that are going to be available also. Uh, so he's going to have to be placed as a, an OC. But his star did not rise no. this year at all. It might have worked the other way, which is how it works here, unfortunately, in the reverse car reverse wash. Reverse car wash. Typically. So I, and I feel bad about it, but this it was always a, a tough needle to thread. I mean, I, we said this at the time. This the, the Washington did this in, on a, on a different level with Ronald Darby. If you remember that player, okay, he was a, a hyped prospect at one point. Came off a bunch of injuries. They said to him, "We'll give you a, a one year deal to prove it. Right? You will then go on and get your payday. We'll get good play out of you. It's a win win." And everyone benefited from the little short term situational relationship. That's similar to what happened here, right? Where they go, you got a chance to prove that you can do it. You take a neophyte quarterback, you make him play well. The offense is better than it's been in the last several seasons by, uh, you know, 10, 11, 12 ranking points. How much, how great is that for you? Go get your head coaching gig. Meanwhile, we get that offensive improvement. And it didn't really happen. Uh, my guy, Rash on Twitter, similar to what Kev was just saying, said he has a tough time calling the Chargers the number one opening. Says they need to cut restructure a lot of key players. They do. Spano's family's been in a family battle, and they're not even the most popular NFL team in a city that's more about the Lakers and now Otani. I think those are all really, really good points. It, that Justin Herbert cologne covers up a lot of that stench. I guess the question is, does it cover up enough of that stench? It does for me. I, I, I will overlook a lot of stuff. I'll have to swim move and do some rips and stunts, and maybe uh, I need a couple of people to help me with it, but I'm getting right there. Let's talk to John McMullen next. He covers the Eagles. He will be joining us to talk. Alec Hallaby was one of the GM candidates interviewing today with the Commanders. Also, we've got tickets to go see the Capitals. We'll give those away as soon as we return right here on Grant and Danny on the fan. Grant and Danny on the fan, live, D.C., Richmond, and wherever you are on the Odyssey app. John McMullen is an Eagles insider, SI Now, and he's joining us on the BetQL guest hotline in just a moment. Should tell you congratulations if you're caller number 10 at 800-636-1067. You're winning two tickets to see the Caps game. This is Tuesday, January 16th, Capital One Arena against the Ducks tickets. And the complete cap schedule are available on the fandc.com slash events, courtesy of the Washington Capitals. John, thank you for the time. We appreciate you. How are you? Doing well. How are you, Grant? Doing great. We appreciate uh, the time today. Let's start with this. Alec Hallaby's interviewing in Miami at Josh Harris's house for the GM job. We know he's a Howie Roseman disciple and a longtime analytics guy in Philly's front office. What else can you tell us? Well, he's a Harvard guy, so he's, you know, that's the way the league is going. He's a very smart guy. Uh, yeah, that's how he kind of started, and, you know, he's always going to have that tint. I, I think Howie, because of his non-traditional sort of ri- uh, uh, rise in the NFL, is more open to other avenues, and I think that's kind of what's happened to Alec as the assistant GM. Uh, but he's been involved with personnel and, you know, look at it film and, and, and 
taking a uh, whether it's traveling on the road, uh, doing all the stuff a typical uh, personnel guy is going to do. He made that transition long ago, so you're going to hear that analytics can't always throw at him because that's how he started. But he has progressed long past that. So, um, yeah, he's 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 going to be a GM. It's just a matter of when. Now, this is the first cycle where he started to get interviews. It was interesting because the Eagles have had so much attrition in their front office in recent years. Howie had never given out that assistant GM tag. He finally gave it out to not only Alec Hallaby, but also John Ferrari. So the Eagles had two assistant GMs, first time he ever did that. So that kind of tells you uh, what he thinks of Alec. And, uh, yeah, very smart guy. And he's he's more than analytic, so I would say that. Now I've gotten an opportunity to watch film with him. Um, he knows what he's doing. He He really does. There was a, a bit of a kerfuffle a few years ago, it, almost like the football guys versus the numbers guys. And I know you said it's not fair to just to put them in that one silo, John, but there was a sense, I think, around the league of us outside looking in that like Doug Peterson and some of the football cowboys that you don't know, want to talk about football and scouting and roll their eyes at computers and po- or, you know calculators and pocket protectors versus the numbers guys. Chronicle that for us and what, what, you know, what kind of animosity was there? Yeah, I, well, that that was sort of a situation uh, where, as you know, Alex started as an intern way back in the day and started moving up slowly, and and certainly it began more on that analytical side. When Doug was here, we sort of starting to get over in the personnel side, but the Eagles had some really high level personnel people: Joe Douglas, now the GM of the Jets, Andy Weidel, the assistant GM in Pittsburgh. So. They had a lot of guys who were entrenched, uh, and he hadn't really made the transition over quite as much to the point where he was a, a louder voice in that part of the process. So, yeah, he was the guy that sort of would give uh, the coaching staff all the numbers that they needed for a particular game, and there was a, a little bit of a clapback. when it, But it was ironic because – the Eagles, if you guys remember during the Doug Peterson era, that's where it started that they became one of the more aggressive teams in the NFL. So when it was going well, you know, I think Alec got lauded. And when it started to go uh, negative a little bit later, there was frustration. There's always frustration. You see it now in Philadelphia. I mean, 10 and 1, it was all kumbaya. Now everybody's fighting, pointing fingers. And, and this is only a a small stretch. So that's sort of the NFL and, and losing grinds on people. It really does. But, you know, long-term, it certainly didn't affect Alec in the organization. So I, I think it was a little bit overblown. What was the process? You said you watched some film with them. What was that like? And it uh, sounds like you've gotten to know them a little bit. Give us some of that experience. Yeah. I mean, it, it's one of those things where the Eagles, uh, uh, kind of, and, and and not just Alec, and there's some other people, Alan Mulking and Ch- Chuck Walls and uh, some of the personnel people, and, and they sort of uh, take a group of us behind the scenes and, and uh, watch film with us and try to explain their thought process when it comes to the draft or why they, cert- they select certain people. And it just gives you a background to what they're looking at, what they're trying to accomplish why they're looking at particular players for this particular coaching staff. So 
it's one of those cool things they do for some of the beat reporters that give us a better idea of what they're trying to accomplish. And I think it helps everybody all around. It helps the fan base because we have a better idea when it comes to the background and things like that. But you also get to see, you know, and they educate us as far as how to watch film and, you know, whether it was guys like Jalen Carter or Sidney Brown this year, who the Eagles dubbed what they call a red star player, which is everything they want on and off the field. Uh, and, they, and they take you through certain clips. So uh, it's one of the cool things. I used to do it back in, when I was in Minnesota with Mike Zimmer before he got surly. Um, they don't do it. I, I don't know if organizations do it as much today, but anytime you can educate the people covering you, I think it's a good thing. And the Eagles, the Eagles did that uh, a few times. Eagles insider John McMullen with us here on Grant and Danny. Uh, John, I years ago, listen to Howie Roseman from the Sloan Analytics Conference, and I was blown away by how he approached things and, and how he quantified decisions that were made versus ones that even weren't made, which in and of itself is also a decision. And his analytical mind, I, I've coveted that ever since. How close approximately in terms of ways of thinking approach is Hallaby to, How, to uh, Howie Roseman? Yeah, very close. I mean, Alec gives Howie all the credit in the world for, for his rise up in the, in the industry. And obviously he was the one who gave him the opportunity. He was the one who, who has given him chances to advance. Uh, so the two are very close and Alec is very loyal uh, to Howie. Yeah, but it's interesting. I mean, that's sort of the Eagles process. They understand it's it's baked in that, you know, good decisions don't necessarily mean good results but the more you stack those good decisions your odds increase uh, uh and and that's the whole goal of the organization organizational philosophy um and, and as simple as that sounds i think a lot of people can't wrap their head around it um because you're like you you know you can make a bad decision and, and you might get a good result but if you keep doing it you're going to get the bad results and that's going to start to outweigh the good so their their goal is to get all the information possible, make the best decision at a particular time. And I think they've seen it um, in the short term, and you're seeing it right now. In the short term, it's not working. They've, they've, they've gone off the rails, and we'll see if they can uh, rescue the season in Tampa uh, on wild card weekend. But long term, I think you see it as well. This has turned into one of the best organizations in the NFL because they generally make good decisions over a long period of time, and that gives you a better chance. Uh, and that's sort of the whole goal of the organization, and Alec is a, is a big part of that. And the Eagles, and John McMullen, who covers them, joins us now on GND, have lost five of six. Their only win, a one-possession victory over the Giants in Week 16. But if you go back even before this losing stretch, their last decisive win where they just beat somebody down was probably when they beat the Dolphins before thanks uh, before Halloween, like way back on October 22nd. If not that, it might have been the Rams game at the beginning of October. They've squeaked out some wins with some fortuitous breaks, and now this stretch of five losses out of six. It's just been a mess. They've changed some things on defense. So they go into the playoffs. It's a Monday night game. I don't know why that game's on Monday night, because frankly, it's the least aesthetically pleasing of them all with the Eagles and the Bucks. But what do you make of that matchup? And if they lose in the first round on the heels of this stretch, what are some of the, the reactions going to be in Philly? 
Well, the reactions aren't going to be good, as you can imagine, in this city. I, I mean, already, you got, you, they think everybody stinks. The head coach stinks, the offensive coordinator, the defensive coordinator, the defensive play caller. Um, you know, they generally want to protect the players, obviously. So it's always, you know, the players when things are going well, and it's the coaches when things aren't. And that's just part of it. But, um yeah, I mean, they haven't taken care of the football. I think that's the biggest difference. Uh, um, you know, if you look at Jalen Hurts, he had eight turnovers last year, which is astonishing. This year he's tw- at 20. So you're talking over 100% in the negative range. They're still a top 10 offense, eighth overall. But the defense has fallen off a cliff. They were number two last year. They're number 26. They're 31st in third down defense, 30th in red zone defense. They're they're just a bad defense. And part of that is losing the coordinator and losing five starters. Uh, injuries have contributed to that as well. But I, I think it was a panic move. I think it's fair to criticize Nick Sirianni. You don't change coordinators. And, and that's what they did, even though Sean still has that title, Sean Desai. Um, Matt Patricia has all the power. He's the defensive play caller. What are you going to do in week in game 14? I, that's what bad teams do. I, I just talked about why this organization makes good decisions. Well, that's a bad decision. You know, even if you don't believe in Sean Desai, that's for the off season. That's what bad organizations do in season, especially when you're 10 and three, you got to persevere and you got to look in the mirror and say, you know what? Our talent isn't there on defense. Maybe things haven't gone the way we would have liked, but you don't make that kind of move. And it's it's hindsight now. It's gotten worse. They're worse now than they were with Sean Desai. So uh, I think that it's fair to criticize Nick Sirianni for that particular move, if it, or if you want to blame it on Howie Roseman, blame it on who you want to blame it on. But it was a bad decision. And that is not typical uh, Eagles way of doing things. And I think it's one of the things that has hurt them pretty drastically because even the locker room starts to question me at that point. John, this is great, man. Really appreciate the time. Thank you. Hey, thanks, guys. Yeah, enjoy the weekend. John McMullen covers the Eagles on Grant and Danny with us here on The Fan. Our double play comes your way next. And at the top of the hour at 4 o'clock, the Beltway Blitz, Anthony Manta of the Capitals will join us at 4 o'clock right here on The Fan. In case you're curious, I got a red cap hoodie on with blue jeans and black kicks. Now, the black kicks, these are not just any black kicks. Are they your? These are Gene Kizik. The Chizik's. These are the old Kizik's with the white soles if you see someone waddling down half street, it's me. I want you to think, when you see Grant in those Gene Chizik's, mm. he didn't have to bend over to put them on. Did he not. slid right in with like an attractive quickness. dude in the DMs. Yeah. Now, what are you working with? I got the uh, the white Adidas. That the, I think you guys don't mind these. These are fine or you don't mm, like them. They're not good. But, but you don't mind them. It's fine. You don't like find them irritating to look at? Or yeah. these okay? I never know. Those I, are pretty bad. Yeah. Um, there's statues. Uh, some Yeans, and I got that. Remember the red Army Navy pullover? Yeah, we got. Course. This is really comfortable, and I like the look of it. Uh, so I'm wearing that. It's a red Did day you today. Go to that one. 
Or is that one of like three times that you it's that one. said you would go to Army yep. Navy and then I went by myself because yep. you told me to kick rock? No, I did. I went up to uh to Philadelphia uh for that one. Took the train up, we did the show, and then I came back down. <laughs> Whoopsie Daisy. One of bad. Danny's favorite things to do every year. Yep. CK will come into the studio and he'll be like, guys, do you guys want to go to the Army Navy game this year? And Danny will make a big production how it's on his hit list. I really want to. He's never wanted to do anything more. And in his life, the only things he wants to do now, the rest of his life, is like he wants to do a snow angel in Lambeau Field on the grass at the 50, like during a blizzard and go to an Army Navy game. And uh, I think he said, like, eat up uh, his favorite meal, like on the infield dirt at Wrigley Field. And then we're like, okay, then we'll go to the game. And then when it comes time to travel to the game, Danny's come up with another thing he has to do. Yep. And I just go by myself. We do that every single year. It's a now, tradition. What normally would happen is if someone says something incorrect, the other person will jump in and right. say, actually, you'll notice I'm not doing that. That's happened three times where someone has offered me money to do something. And it's like, I, I love money. So I take it. He's like, well, I, <laughs> I mean, look, I already have a plan and a committed thing. And I'm, I'm making Grant uh, travel for three days yeah. to another city. Grant's going hundreds of miles away. <laughs> right. But, I mean, hey, this guy's offering me a little money. But I got a pullover. I might as well tell him to kick rocks. Yeah. It is time for our double play. What's going on in our lives? Nothing to do with sports. You're all aware of the Grant Pizza Saga, right? If, you're, if you've listened to the show before, you know what happened. And I, if, you, if you want to jump in, please feel free here. Well, are you going to tell them the update? I figured you would after the end of my story, but just the 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 it, make sure I'm not getting this wrong. There's a local fundraiser. They stopped by. Grant ordered a couple different items, like yeah. some cookies, like a popcorn, I think, or like whatever, and then like some pizzas, well, and gave him some money. I have a pizza update for you. Oh wow! I thought you, that's what you were getting. At. No, I was going to say I have I a similar Allison story. May have told you, like no, no, I do have an update on the pizzas. You guys don't know about this yet. This is actually incredible. So this is now, what, two years ago? Uh, I think it's 2020. End of 2020. Three and a half years ago at this point. And this is amazing. Darius, do you have a drum roll? Is this the long drum roll? I hope so. Yeah, it's the long one. It is worth it, I will say. Yeah, no, because the the update's going to be huge. My pizzas and chocolate chip cookie dough uh-huh. still have not arrived. Oh. Yeah. Oh. $80 cash. Hand it over. Can you just leave cash in the mailbox? Thus far. No pizzas. <laughs> but you you have something. So I've got here. something similar, and I wonder who's going to get their thing first. Okay. So right before the holidays, and again, I, I Christmas is about getting the gifts for the kids, for the wife, all the loved ones and stuff. I don't care what I get. I mean, I got an air fryer. I'm not going to use it. My wife is, but she knows that's what I want. I want vegetables to be less gross. They can go in the air fryer, whatever. So I saw one of those targeted ads, very different than the kind of targeted ads that a Jason Whitlock might see, for example, if he went to ESPN. Anyway, I my targeted ad was like, hey, here's some nice clothes. And I'm like, oh, I like this clothing brand a lot. There's a, this is a company that I, re, that I really, really like. And they were having this sale that was too good to be true. It was unbelievable. So I immediately thought, like, maybe it's spam, maybe it's BS, you know, maybe it's some sort of uh, clickbait type thing. And so I went to... You didn't think enough about it. Well, I went to their website, and I found this sale. And I'm going, oh, my God. Like, this is unbelievable. So I didn't do a click-through. I went independently. opened up a new browser window. Wait, oh, you went to the actual website? Yeah. 
Well, if you were there and you saw the sale, why wouldn't you just buy it off the website? I did. That's what I ended up doing. So instead of just clicking on a link, I don't, I don't like clicking on pop-ups, clicking on links, and clicking on Target and stuff like that. Okay. Just begets all this stuff everyone's looking at you all the time. So I was like, I'll go to the website on a new browser, very secure. I did it that way. The sale was happening. It was like too good to be true. It was unbelievable. That was December the 17th. December the 17th. And like things that were normally hundreds of dollars were like five or six bucks. Some kind of clearance thing. I couldn't believe it. So I, I was like, I don't want to order too much, but I ordered, you know, seven or eight things for like a hundred bucks that normally would have been three thousand like two thousand dollars. Not even kidding you. And it was like, okay, we're shipping it to you. The shipping company is a company apparently called China Post. I've never heard of that one. I know a lot of shipping companies here and there. I, I can name a few like UPS, Federal Express, uh, United States Postal China Service. China Post. I don't know China Post all that well. They gave me a tracking number and it's like, yeah, it left. It left, and I don't have it yet. And this was now, what is that, like three weeks ago? Wait, so, okay. It was supposed to be here before January 1st. I thought when you had told me this story originally, so I misheard you. So I thought you had ordered it through the, the basically the, the targeted ad. So the targeted ad got me to go to the, the website of the clothing company. Right. right. So you were actually on the website of the clothing company. Yes, their actual yes. certified or so website. I thought. Yeah, so I thought. So how is it possible that it could have been a scam? I don't know. So I don't know. But but you understand what I'm I understand trying, exactly what, what you're I'm saying to say. is you yeah. were not on the website. They must have made a fake website or something and like the like some really old guy who doesn't leave his house. Uh-huh. You got got. The I average might have gotten age got. of the people who get got is not your age. It's gone down a little bit. Yeah. Some 44-year-old was bamboozled. What so, did your wife say about this? Uh she's not thrilled. Now again, it's a hundred bucks. I'd rather have the hundred bucks. It's better that than if you you got got for like eight hundred thirty six. Well, the the real good thing you weren't just buying six suits like you were at Joseph A. Banks or something, and get an entire store at Joseph A. Bank. The real issue though is I'm worried that like I had to put in payment data, so I've been now like refreshing and checking constantly to make sure there's no like out of whack payments or whatever. I've been, I've been bothering my wife like, what's this one? She's like, groceries. Calm down, you know. That's the dilemma. I've gotten nothing. It's been, it's, you know, where are we now? July, uh, not July. I'm sure it's July. January, what, 8th, 9th, 10th? Is that where we are? It's now 12 days after they said it was going to be here. And it just looks like there's no update in sight. There's nowhere to turn. It looks like it's not going to happen. I still think I get it before you get your pizzas, but I'm not that confident. I think you're going to get it. I think it's it's just taking a little time, man. It is. Things don't come overnight anymore. No. Well, but I mean, they do for some. Supply chain. That's what you just say. Just that. words like supply chain. Yeah. See what? I'm spoiled because of that whole Amazon thing where it's like it comes immediately. Like, my pizzas are coming. I know they are. Yeah. It's just taking a while. Mm-hmm. That's the thing. They're being made in, in, like, Rome right now? Well, it's not even that they're being made. I mean, they're, they're sending me the kits, basically. And it has been four years, but I do know that they're coming. You know in your heart. I'm, I'm quite sure of it. Mm-hmm. Kick off your future with the law firm of Kondori and Murad. They can help protect your pizzas. Oh, well, actually, your assets. <laughs> And they can update your will and trust. Schedule a free estate planning strategy with one of their Fairfax-based attorneys. Visit kmlawyers.com and mention the show to score yourself a discount. That's kmlawyers.com. The Beltway Blitz starring Anthony Mantha next. 
Hey everyone, Boomer Esiason here. The NFL Draft is behind us and your favorite team is now gearing up for week number one. The free Odyssey app puts you right in the middle of the pro football conversation with the biggest sports radio stations from across the country. The local voices who know your team the best, giving you their unfiltered takes on the current state of your squad. It's always football season right here on the free Odyssey app. 